Good evening, everybody, and welcome to the Bible Thumper podcast, where somebody's got to say it. My name is Patrick Hayes, your regular host, and with me tonight is my beautiful wife, Joanna, and we are talking about Christian families and the sacrifices that they need to make in order to be successful. So we were talking about this the last time we got together, last month, and we had several points that we wanted to get through. We did not get through all of them. So this week, we're kind of going to talk about the last two sacrifices that parents need to make, part two. So last month, what I was talking about was there are basically three general ideas, three sacrifices that parents need to make in order to have a successful Christian family. Number one, you have to have a massive sacrifice of time. A lot of people aren't willing to put in the amount of time required to produce a great product. I think of Arnold Schwarzenegger. Uh, he didn't go to the gym once every other week. No. Okay. To produce. I don't think so. Wasn't he Mr. Universe? Universe. Yeah. Was that, that's a thing, know. right? I think okay. So. He so was Mr. Something. He was, he was whatever the yeah. biggest Mr. whatever was. Forever. Yeah. <laughs> for many years. Very famous bodybuilder. He obviously put in a tremendous amount of time to be able to get there. In the same way, if you want great kids, you have to be able to put in a tremendous amount of time. That's a big sacrifice for parents. Number two, big sacrifice is money. A lot of times people don't want to spend the money on what is needed to get a good product. And then number three, and this one I mostly put for dads, but let's face it, if there is no dad in the picture, maybe it's a single mom, the parent has to be willing to make difficult and unpopular decisions that the kids might not like, that is difficult for the family. You might get pressure from outside of your home, your in-laws, your friends, your people you go to church with. They might give you, uh, put pressure on you because of the difficult, non-popular decisions that you make. So those were kind of my three basic ideas. And then last week, we went into several different subjects that require those sacrifices in order to be successful and have a strong Christian family. Any thoughts or comments from last week or mm. not last week, last month? Well, that was a while ago, but <laughs> what you're describing is those things you had to do on an ongoing basis, too. You do. So it's constant. It is. <laughs> you have to have thick skin, I guess. To be a good parent, I think you really do. Every day. Um, not only do you have the world that is pushing back, you oftentimes have people you love, family, friends, neighbors, you know, all of society telling you that you are crazy for the way you're doing things. And I want to just you know, kind of, I know we're talking to our audience, but I want to mention directly to our audience. If everybody in your life doesn't have a problem with the way you're parenting, you're doing it wrong. If everyone, you know, all of your neighbors and all of your family and all of your in-laws and everybody, nobody takes issue with the way you're parenting, you're doing it wrong because the way people want to live their life is not the way that God wants us to live our life. God wants us to live our lives contrary to the flesh and to the world. 
So if everyone is on board with whatever program you're doing, something's wrong. Something is wrong. Now there are going to be lots of people. Yeah, it's absolutely. If if it's it's, easy, if it's too easy, (laughs) you're doing it wrong. There are going to be plenty of times where you will meet people who see the results you have. They see your kids and they want to know what you're doing because your kids are very different and you can talk to them and explain it and you will win them over to the Bible way of doing things and you will have very big, strong supporters of what you do. I'm just saying the majority of people are not at a first glance at their first time hearing what you do, they are not going to support what you do because you are trying to find, you are sorry, you are trying to follow the Bible way, God's way. And people just bristle when they hear the way that God wants things done. Yeah. With every, every part of life, everything. (laughs) Yeah. No matter what it is. All right. So the first idea we wanted to go over was this idea of a large quantity of time. Have you ever heard that idea that, you know, you want to spend quality time or quality time is, you know, what's important, you you know, you got to spend quality quality time over quantity. I've actually heard that phrase before. A lot of times people bring that idea up and I want to smash that idea to pieces as a stupid and unbiblical idea because quality time comes out of a large quantity Mm. of time. You don't just get to select, all right, uh, we are just going to meet, you know, for 10 minutes, (laughs) four times a day, and this will be quality time. You don't get to decide that. A lot of times your kids determine what is going to be quality time or your mood or your blood sugar yeah they <laughs> <you> hungry <laughs> yeah depending on you and how you feel yeah your kids just flip it on and flip it off like a switch when they want all of a sudden oh, they're true. attentive yeah, and they yeah. want to know about something well you're either going to ignore them at that point or you're going to uh, take an opportunity so uh, yeah. i would like to go back to deuteronomy chapter six do you see? Well, tell me what what is the Bible? I, the general idea? Deuteronomy six. Yeah, I'm just gonna pull it up. It'll just take a second. Well, yeah. Go ahead. I mean, we're talking about quantity of time mm-hmm. over quality. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was just thinking about maybe I'm gonna get ahead of ourselves, but um, how often the kids come up to me and they want to do something and I push it off. Mm-hmm. And that's something that stung me this week. It was just some random, you know, silly little Facebook post, but it got me. Mm-hmm. And it was talking something about that, how you need to be there for them while they're young. And it went over the numbers, you know, how much percentage of time you have till they're 12, how, until they're out of the house. And I thought, oh, my goodness, I need to quit doing all these good things I'm doing and stop, stop working, cleaning, doing stuff for other people. Mm-hmm. And take that time out and spend more time with them. Anyway, do you get your verse? Yeah, yeah, I do. Uh, Deuteronomy chapter 6, starting in verse 5. This is something that God has Moses uh, talk to the nation of Israel about before they're going into the promised land. So the people listening to this have already wandered in the desert for 20, you know, mm-hmm. plus years, uh, some as many as 40 years. And they are about to go into the promised land and God has kind of given them a little bit of a recap of 
a lot of parts of the law, and he's reminding them uh, how important it is to uh, worship him. And he says, And thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thine heart and with all thy soul and with all thy might. And these words which I command thee this day shall be in thine heart. And thou shalt teach them diligently unto thy children. And thou shalt talk of them when thou sittest in the house and when thou walkest by the way and when thou liest down and when thou risest up. So this is a commandment given to parents. Fathers need to take this commandment seriously and understand that they are charged with teaching their family the law of the Lord. Uh, And thou shalt bind them for a sign upon thine hand, and they shall be as frontlets between uh, thine eyes, and thou shalt write them upon the posts of thy house and on thy gates. And we're going to stop there. So God talks about how the law of the Lord is supposed to be this thing that is around you all the time. They are to be as frontlets between thine eyes. There, You're going to write them on your wrist. You're going to write them on the doorpost of your house. The idea is they're going to be on your mind. They're going to be before you all day, every day. And you're going to talk about them with your kids when they lie down, when they rise up, when they walk by the way. So it's not just a set time. It's all yeah. day long right. when the opportunity arises. And that is the opportunities come up while you spend a great deal of time with your kids. You don't just schedule five minutes, four times a day throughout the day to have quality time. A lot of us don't get to decide when that quality time is going to be. You need to spend a lot of time with your children. The whole ministry of Jesus was spending every waking hour with 12 guys for three years. Right. (laughs) Lots of those hours were not all that inspirational. They weren't full of miracles. They weren't that amazing. But the opportunities came up while they were spending a great amount of time together. And statistically speaking, half of that time was below average. Right. (laughs) Okay, all three, four years weren't just mountaintop, amazing, miracle times of walking on the water and watching Jesus heal lepers and give sight to the blind. Those things happened, but there was a lot of time spent walking Walking from one city to the next city. (laughs) Trying to get from point A to point B. (laughs) You had to cook meals. You had to eat. You had to deal with injuries you had to mm-hmm. th- I mean, there were so many things that right. had to be dealt with right monotonous life monotonous life you know i don't want to interrupt you you're fine but i'm i'm thinking of jesus walking and living every day with disciples and i see my own life and other people's lives where you're spending day in day out with your kids mm-hmm. all day every day that is the so, model right it's okay. a picture of that. So randomly, now you make, you're making me think, our eight-year-old comes up to me at the worst possible moments. Yeah. Mom, uh, is Jesus going to destroy the whole earth? And mm-hmm. I'm sitting there cooking and thinking about, oh, I haven't, you know, my hair is in Three other things to do, <laughs> which are legitimate things. Yeah, I've you have got to, to eat. do this thing now. I have yeah. to get dinner and, ready. And someone's have... coming over and we got to clean a thing or yes. we have an appointment we got to get to and I got to... Mm-hmm. feed all the kids before we go out the door those are realistic things well yeah and that's when he asks me these questions and i have a great opportunity to answer mm-hmm. is that those are the kinds of things you're talking about right all the time all so my idea uh is that 
your seven-year-old comes up to you and wants to talk while you're in the middle of a task. Mm-hmm. Washing the dishes, cleaning a bathroom, changing the oil, right. m- mending the fence, whatever. As a mother of eight kids, do you think the question that your seven-year-old is about to ask you is vitally important? <laughs> well, usually no. Usually no. Because most of those questions have nothing to do with anything. Why do unicorns have horns? You got it. Okay, what color are the unicorn horns? Yeah. Do you think so, that unicorns are real? So most of their questions are useless, time-wasting questions. And that is because your seven-year-old treats you like a Google search bar. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Mom that, knows that will just answer every uh-huh. question that I have the moment it pops <laughs> into my brain on any subject. Yeah. Hey, Mom. You got it. And <laughs> there is no... concept of good or bad timing there's no No. such thing as reading a room with little kids (coughs) they just have questions you can't spend 10 minutes answering every single question of theirs but one out of 10 questions are going to be valuable and they don't have to necessarily be about god but they are going to be good valuable teachable opportunities and answering the questions, those important questions especially, promotes intimacy between you and your child. That is how we form a bond and grow a relationship with other human beings is by talking to them. So talking to our children is one of the best ways to endear them to us. And we want them to not only love us, but we want them to trust us and we want them to feel comfortable coming to us with questions. Unfortunately, that starts as soon as they're able to talk. Right. And and ask how many questions? And ask, There's a number. Yeah. What a is million, it? billion, trillion, quadrillion. Yeah. Yeah. Questions a day. Exhausting questions. So <laughs> if you if you think about it, the er, as soon as they start talking, the ratio of worthless to worthwhile questions is all the way here. Almost mm-hmm. every single thing is completely worthless. And the older they get, the ratio changes to where more and more questions make sense and are applicable to something. Yeah. Rather than them just having a thought pop in their brain right. and them running to you as if you're Google with nothing to do right. but answer their question it's easy to have the idea that i'm just busy go away i'm busy go watch cartoons i'm busy go play outside i'm busy go play with your sister i'm busy whatever but we need to spend the time with our kids answering not every question um and that can be something you can try to train your kids to do which is, hey, that's a great question. Write that one down. We'll talk about right. that at dinner yeah. time. You yeah, know? there's certainly times when you, you can't, Absol- but absolutely, we could all be more available, though, for sure. Yes. And when the opportunity comes up, we have to take that opportunity. Yes. And when we read about the life of Christ, he didn't get a say as to when the blind person would approach him and call out his name we didn't he didn't get a say in when the woman with the issue of blood for 
nine years or 12 years, I don't remember which it was, would grab the hem of his garment and some of his virtue would depart from him. We didn't get it. He didn't get a say in those things. He was always on his way to do something. He was living his life. He was teaching his disciples. But these things came up and these are the things that are recorded in the Bible. So Jesus stopped what he was doing and asked, okay, who just touched me in this massive crowd? And there was something that he had to deal with and never seemed like everything stopped and he, he dealt with it. And for us with our kids, especially, and and if a parent is even a little bit in tune with the Holy spirit of God, they're going to get some pressure from the Holy spirit saying, Hey dummy, you need to talk to your kid. Like this is, they're lobbing you up at a, a, they're lobbing you up a softball swing away hit the thing you know you need to take this opportunity this is a good one where you can spend some time sit down stop what you're doing talk to the kid for you know however much time you need to and is appropriate um they are going to learn a lot they're going to walk away remembering what you talk about and the subject matter is important yeah you know that reminds me of some things i've read about oh different homeschooling gurus or philosophies where they were having. I love gurus. Uh, well, that's, I'm trying. I was trying to think of a, a descriptive. What is it? What an adjective? adjective? Yeah, I was like experts. No, I don't trust experts. That's not the word. Anyway, what would it take for me oh. to be called a guru? <laughs> I'm gonna call you a guru. Okay, bearded guru. Gur- I can't even say it. Guru. So, per people mm-hmm. who I trusted their opinion. Guru-like people. Yes. Okay. So anyway, the idea behind their philosophy of education was. You use those teachable moments because that's when the kid is wanting to know and it'll sink in and it'll stay. You got it. I mean, how many times are we in school mm-hmm. and we're not interested yeah. and we don't learn anything? We don't care. We don't care. Yeah. So when that button is switched on in their brain, so to speak, and mm-hmm. they're asking, that's the prime time to that's teach That's when they're the, interested. The thing they're asking, they're asking about. They're thinking, they're literally yeah. thinking about it right then, wondering, hey, how does this work? Yeah. So like in school, that's when they say... That's the prime opportunity to teach on sure. ABC. And well, that's what? when the bell rings and you go to lunch. I'm <laughs> <laughs> sorry. Class is over. So the same thing can apply when you're home and they're asking about spiritual mm-hmm. things or something else. Mm-hmm. So that's just what I was thinking about when you were talking about that. My gur guru. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So uh, something else I wanted to mention uh, from the Bible, given kind of the idea about quantity of time uh a large quantity of time and the idea that during that large quantity of time opportunities are going to show up when we look at the missionary journeys of paul he spent long periods of time in a city where he started a new church so paul would go through this process and it seems like he repeated church planting type the church planting process that we read about in the book of acts he would go to a town he would preach at the synagogue. Some people would love what he said. Other people would hate what he said. Those Jews from the synagogue wanted to follow Christ. He would start a new baby church from there, and then he would continue to preach to the Gentiles. And a whole bunch of Gentiles would come to Christ. So now he had this brand new baby church of Christians. Some were Jews, some or it looks like the majority were Gentiles. Mm -hmm. And he would have a group of people with him, 
from a few folks up to over a dozen or so, depending on where he was. And we, we get that from the letters that he wrote and we, we know who was with him at different points. He would spend years with that baby church. And we read about that. He spent a year and a half when he was in Corinth. He spent three years when he was at Ephesus. The Bible talks about how he spends years and years at that baby church, working with these people, training them in the Bible, teaching them the scriptures, and raising up some leadership. Then he would select several folks and say, okay, you're going to stay here, and you're the pastor, and you're all going to work together and keep this work going. And then sometimes he would take some new people, some Christians who... I don't know, maybe showed promise or, you know, he liked their cooking. I have no idea. (laughs) But he would take some more people with him and he would move on and they would go to the next big city and they would do the same thing. And they did this again and again and again. But it didn't seem like he was in a rush. He spent years with this group until he felt that they were in a position where they could grow and Mm -hmm. they could thrive. In the same way, the point of this is that training anyone takes a lot of time. Yeah, it, it really does. And it, any, anything, jobs. Absolutely. Anything. There is no way for anyone to become an expert in any industry in a year or two. Right. Yeah. That's why they have apprenticeship programs okay. for plumbers and welders and all kinds of things, because we're not just going to put you at the highest rung of the ladder and make you in charge, make you management, put you in charge of big projects. There's lots of things you need to learn on the way up. So in the same way, our children, we cannot look at our children as burdens. We need to look at them as our greatest mission. This is our job is to take this child, this infant, and not only attend to its physical needs, but to attend to its mental and spiritual ones as well. And when the opportunities show up where they want to talk about God and they have questions about the Bible, that is literally God showing us they are ready to start talking about these subjects. Yeah. You know, um, we were in the car, was a month or two ago, and our eight-year-old piped up all of us were in the car, the, the children and I. Mm-hmm. He said, hey, guys, he was all mad, indignant. Mm-hmm. How come none of you have prayed for me to get saved? <laughs> <laughs> and uh, he thought that we would do it and he'd be saved. Sure. So I thought, whoa. Yeah. You know, I should have been, uh, where have I been? Mm-hmm. Well, I haven't, I, mean, I haven't talked to him about any of this. So I just had a conversation with a couple. I was... I told you earlier today, I got to visit a couple that's been coming to our church off and on. Yes. Uh, got to give the gospel to the mom and dad. They got saved today. It was very exciting. And they told me they wanted to, um, their kids uh, wanted to get baptized. And that's usually a good time for spiritual matters are being brought up by the kids. That's a time to pursue that. And I said, well, we should probably, you know, uh, talk to all three of your kids and give them the gospel, and then you can all get baptized together. And they thought that was a great idea. And I asked them about their youngest uh, daughter, who is seven. And I said, uh, and they were like, yeah, she's actually brought it up to us a time or Mm, two about God and the Bible and heaven and hell and things like that. And I said, 
That's perfect. That is literally God showing you, guess what? She's ready. She's ready. Okay, because she wants to know about it. She's thinking about it. Mm -hmm. Great. Uh, Time to give them the gospel. Some people ask like, oh, you know, how soon is too soon? Or I don't want to wait too long. And for me, I've never been... I, this sounds kind of callous or I don't know. It sounds wrong. I've never been that concerned about when to give kids the gospel because they will let you know when they want to hear the gospel, they will hear about it. They'll think about it and they'll tell you, or they'll start asking questions. Guess what? As soon as they start asking questions, tell them about the gospel open the Bible and show them who Jesus is and go through the plan, you know, and pray with them so that they can, you know, receive Jesus as their savior in the same way. You, you never have to worry about, Oh, is my kid eating? They're going (laughs) to tell you when they're hungry. Believe me, that's a good point. They will stop you no matter Mm -hmm. what you are doing. They will come and tug on you and say, I'm hungry. I'm hungry. Okay, it doesn't. You can be on the phone with the president. They are more than happy to stop whatever you're doing to tell you they're hungry. In the same way, God has put that into children that they will tell you when they're ready to hear the gospel. So when they tell you that they are ready, give them the gospel. I guess I never thought of that. So that's the way that I teach it. Other people might say I'm an idiot and that's the wrong way to do it. I've often seen it where parents. I don't know. They're like concerned that, oh, what if my kid dies young and they never heard the gospel? And okay, first of all, if your kid dies young and they don't understand the gospel, they go straight to heaven because they are young and they Mm -hmm. don't understand the gospel. We're not going to get into that whole idea right now. I've taught on that subject before. I don't know if anyone wants to scour the internet for my, I have a 10 minute lesson on what happens to babies and infants when they die. But you don't have to worry about that. As soon as your kid is ready to hear the gospel, they will let you know. As soon as they're thinking about godly things. Now, if your kid is 10 or 12 years old and hasn't brought it up, okay, you yeah. want to approach you want to approach them with the gospel. But that's probably because you're not going to church. You don't have Christian say, friends. Yeah, you're about- not reading the Bible together as a family. So Yeah, people outside of church church yes maybe you know so if you're living a normal christian life and by normal christian life i mean bible reading time is a normal thing for you and your family that's not like something weird okay if that's what's going on you're going to be talking about spiritual matters all the time you're going to be talking about heaven and hell the kids are going to be going to church with you and they're going to be learning about it in you know their sunday school class or their you know junior church time or the nursery or whatever however your church does it so they are going to be involved and around it and they're going to bring it up to you it's not it's not something that you need to worry about if you have nothing to do with church or god or the bible and you're not reading the Bible and talking about God at home. Okay. Well, yeah, you might have to bring it up because they've never thought about that subject. But what I'm saying is for normal Christian families, you know, you don't have to worry about it. Your kid's going to believe me. They're going to bring it up to you. Any, anything further on that? No, nothing further on that. All right. The other thing we wanted to talk about was 
teach your kids whatever you wished you had learned as a kid. And the idea, obviously, is that teaching your kids all the things that you wished you had known about as a child is going to take a bunch of time. For you to train your kids properly, that's going to be a massive sacrifice of time. It's going to take your, it's going to take you a lot of time and energy to teach your kids all the things that you had never learned. But that is kind of a good roadmap for any parent. What I tell people is your parents failed you in some way, okay, because they're human. You and I are failing our kids in some way because we're human wait for their podcast yeah (laughs) and 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 this point the the point of this is not to beat up on our parents right uh the point is simply you want to learn from your parents you want to take all the good things that they had done and you want to repeat that uh you want to uh, apply all the good lessons you learned from your parents all the all the good things that you and your family did and 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 all the ways that your parents guided and directed you and taught you we want to replicate that but we also want to think about all the things that we did not learn that we wished we had and guess what? We have this perfect opportunity. We can teach our kids and we can teach our grandkids. And that's all I'm saying when we get into this idea of what do you wished you had learned? So I, we both wrote down a list. So for me, I wrote down uh, number one, I wish I was taught about money. That was on uh, my list also. Well, stop trying to fit in here, John. Okay, you're not cool. Uh, so <clears throat> on my list, uh, I wish I was taught about money. I wish I was taught how to save. I wish I was taught how to invest. These are all things that are obviously very important. And my dad did all these things. Yeah, he did them for himself he did all of these things for himself he had pensions he had um mutual funds he had money that he saved you know he was a very conservative guy with his money but he never he never just stuffed his money under a mattress you know or in a in a mattress i should say and hoped everything turned out uh he never spent every dollar that he had he was a sharp guy and he had wisdom and he was Mm -hmm. conservative with his money he just never sat me down and taught me these things and my dad was never the kind of you know take the bull by the horn and sit down and have a long talk with Mm -hmm. his kids he was not that it it just wasn't the way he was Um, sounded like that was a custom in your it was i mean my my grandfather was the same way you know it i mean that's yeah Yeah. i don't know i don't know where it came from right um but either way he did that his whole life um he just never sat me down and taught me the importance of it i was very fortunate that when i was i don't know 19 20 years old i had someone that turned me on to dave ramsey and gave me some of his books and i started reading through them and i was really you know kind of blown away by a lot of the statistics and this information and what i've learned especially as a pastor is that a lot of married couples have no idea 
what to do with money. That's so true. So many people I've talked to, it's um, no one's taught them anything. No. It's just this perpetuating cycle. No one, you know. And where is the place that it's not being taught for all of us? Home and church? No? Nope. Strike one and two. (laughs) Government schools. Oh, right. Of course. No, that's not taught. And that's people talk about that all the time. And this is some, and I just want to take the opportunity to beat up on government schools if I can. Can't believe I didn't think that you (laughs) wouldn't want to jump in there. The reason so many valuable things are not taught in government schools is because the purpose of government schools is not to educate your children. So stop thinking that it is. That is how you have been fooled as an adult. They have lied to you and told you that the goal of the government school is to educate your children. It is not. The goal of the government school is to make your child into an obedient subject who is reliant upon the government. That is the goal. And somebody who is just swayed by propaganda. That's what it is. Yeah. Don't just think, just obey, just, yep, shut yes. up and, and vote for you got to do your part, something. you know, and don't ask any yeah. questions. A lot of people have trouble swallowing that, but realistically, when we're going to go over some of these things, this is is what I'm going to tell you. One third of all marriages that end in divorce, it's because of problems with money. Okay. One study from the Kansas State University for the National Survey of Families and Households reported that arguments about money are by far the top predictor of divorce. Wow. If that's the case... We should. Don't you think that it's not that hard out of all the things we can teach children? Money is the most objective. How to handle money is not subjective. There aren't conflicting views. It's math. It's very easy. You cannot spend more than you make. If you are in the government, you can't. If you are in the federal government, have you that. have not learned that. <laughs> but the but rest of us cannot. The rest of us cannot live by those rules. So it's very easy to fix this problem. You have to get on a budget. You have to save money. You have to invest money. And investing just $35 a week, you can retire after 40 years mm-hmm. with something between 950000 to $1.7 million, depending on a few factors. And that's if you never get raises, you never increase your cost of, uh, you never increase your... Um, uh, A salary? I uh, never increase yeah. your salary. You never get promotions. If nothing ever happens to improve your life and your work and your income, and you only make minimum wage your entire life, you can retire with a million and a half dollars in the bank and never have to work again when you're 60 if you do these couple of things don't you think that should be taught absolutely somewhere that's gold that's education gold well no they they don't want the kids to know that i guess they (laughs) don't don't. okay and can't figure out another reason why so many parents are not raising good kids and strong christian families because they think the government school is doing something that they are not. They think yes. they are helping your kids for, um, you know, mercy. 12, 13 years. They are not. No. Uh, they think your kids are learning valuable things in government schools. They are not. 
uh, it's a, I don't want to say a complete waste of time, but I'll say 90% is a total waste of time. And because of that, all these kids are going out into the world and they are ill-equipped. Every young married couple that I have ever talked to that learns about what a Roth IRA is and how it works, they all wish they started one when they were 15 or 16 years old. Okay, everyone that learns how to live on a budget, how to save money, how to live within their means, they are grateful for that lesson and they wish that they had been doing that their entire life. So why aren't we teaching that in government schools? Because they are not doing it, guess who has to teach it? Me. Parents, Parents? you got it. You and I have to teach it to our kids. Someone else has to teach it to their kids because no one else is teaching this. So that that is the whole idea. I wish that someone sat me down and went over this again and again with me. They bought me some books. They handed them to me. They said, you're going to read this. You and I, uh, we got the uh, Dave Ramsey homeschool curriculum for our kids. And we're having our kids go through it. That's. I'm glad you brought that up because I wanted our listeners to know. Go to mm-hmm. the Dave Ramsey site and they have homeschool curriculum. or Just click on the curriculum button and you can order your own curriculum for home. Yeah. They have one for, they actually have some for elementary school, which I haven't looked at, but the high school curriculum, it's great. It's just a DVD set and he's not even sponsoring us for this. No, no, this is all <laughs> yeah. free, Dave. And, uh, we oh, we yeah. expect a kickback of in, right. some manner. Yeah. Help us um, out some way, somehow. Yeah. So our oldest has gone through it and he opened his Roth IRA this year at 16. Mm-hmm. Um, and then our 15 year old is going through the same curriculum. So, um, that's such a great program and dave ramsey is it's a great program for anyone yeah i've read i've read at least three of his books and i've read other books written by people in his his camp yeah or his ministry you know um i don't know if i'd call it a ministry but you understand the idea Mm -hmm. people that he works with that you know are on his radio program he sells these books on his website you know yeah his camp that's a that's mm-hmm. probably a uh, a good phrase and i've read you know several of those and and we will buy the audio books and hand them out to people or at least i do i don't know if you do but um when i see them go on sale i'll buy a 10 pack of the dave ramsey audio book you know, I don't know what you call them. They're like gift cards and right. you go on to uh, Google the podcast and you can download uh, these books. One of my favorite ones is uh, Everyday Millionaires. And oh, that I've, was the one I was trying to think of. Yeah, it's a really good book. I've read that one, you know, several times. I've listened to and read several of Dave's books. Anyway, um, I wish that somebody had sat me down and made more of a point of explaining that to me. And I think everyone would say the same thing. By the time you're 25 or 30 and you start thinking, man, I really need to buy some life insurance. Man, I really need to start worrying about my retirement. Hmm. It's like planting a tree. You should have done it 10, 10 yes. years ago. <laughs> yeah. That's when you should have planted yeah, you a want tree. That compounding interest working in your favor. You got it. Um, you had one that you yes. wanted to bring up. Um, let me see. Well, I wish my top um, thing that I wish someone would have told me Mm -hmm. is that being a wife and a mother is a noble profession. Mm -hmm. 
and then I I don't have to worry about or try to develop some career. Mm-hmm. That was so much pressure on me, and uh, in my heart, I actually all I wanted to do was be a mom and a wife. Mm-hmm. And I think these days, most of society is pushing women into careers. <sighs> And they're not only pushing women into careers. They are talking down about being a mom and a wife. They're talking about it as if. Oh, it's yucky. That's it. That's that's all all you're going to do with your life. Yeah. And, And that's the complete wrong way of looking at it. Being a wife and a mother is not just okay. It's okay to be a wife and a mother. No, it's it's a lot more than just okay. Okay, it's one of the most important lifestyles on earth. And people are constantly talking down to wives and mothers. They're constantly rolling their eyes like, "Oh, you don't have a career and you didn't, you know, you didn't, yeah, you, didn't do, go to you didn't do anything with your You're life." Right. You didn't do anything with your life. Yep. And I was thinking about this the people that are promoted, the women that are promoted as wonderful and amazing are mm-hmm. movie stars, uh, career women, politicians. Kardashians. <laughs> yeah, I was thinking. <laughs> we all know. I'm not going to get into that. Never mind. <laughs> um, what about the moms? Mm-hmm. What about those that choose to stay home and actually spend time taking care of their, their household and their kids? Yeah. Movies, TV, all of it is making it look like this horrible burden. And yes. oh my gosh, I can't wait to leave this house. Yes, and, and, and television and shows oh, oftentimes yeah. make it look like dealing with kids in the house it's is a nightmare. It's a nightmare, it's a burden, everybody hates doing it. Why did we ever have kids? You know, that right. kind of idea. And what they're doing is they're promoting uh, talent over character. Yes. And in the same way, if you ever see you see very few reality tv shows about farmers <laughs> right right there's you, one i saw but i you know sure one you, you see very few is that the british one yeah we yeah saw that was nonsensical that okay. wasn't a real farmer that was a guy that retired as yep. a multi-millionaire and was an idiot who wasted <laughs> all kinds of time and money I shouldn't have gone into that. not Forget farming it. yeah so no. My point is, yeah. you don't see a lot of reality TV shows about plumbers and farmers <laughs> and moms. <laughs> you got it. Or moms. Okay. These are, um, we'll call them all professions that are not looked at as glamorous enough or right. worthwhile. It's not glamorous. You got it. You're never going to hear a mom at a cocktail party bragging about her daughter, who is a wife and mother of four. Right. That's not what you hear. You hear people bragging about their kids at a cocktail party who are lawyers and who are doctors and have degrees and are making big whatevers and they start, they're the CEO of whatever. And that's what you hear about. Yeah. The whole thing is such a mess. And you know, women have sunk their teeth into it and they've gone with it and they are miserable. They're crazy. Well, and they're stressed Mm -hmm. out to the max because even though like it or not, Okay. Mm-hmm. I'm going to sound like the most sexist woman in mm-hmm. old fashioned. Go ahead. But the, the kids and the husband still look to her as her natural role. Yes. Like, as mom, a wife I and need a mom. my laundry. Okay. And I cannot get around this. This is something, luckily, I wanted. Mm-hmm. I wanted to be what I am. Mm-hmm. Um, in Proverbs, all over the Bible, it says the woman's 
places at home. Go ahead. Can I just say that? <laughs> yes, it's a Bible That's verse. Your number one job. Yes, uh, it's a God-given role. You cannot get around it in yes. the Bible. No, you I cannot. Mean, it, it Proverbs it says, "She looketh well to the ways of her household, and eateth not the bread of idleness." Mm -hmm. And then in Titus two, I have it here somewhere. Yeah, go ahead. It I think said, it's two eleven, but go ahead. Yeah, it's talking about aged women teach the younger women all these things, mm -hmm. and one of them was to be discreet, chaste, keepers at home. You got it. It doesn't tell the men to do it, although no. I, I've noticed some couples where the the man is sick, you know, can't work, right? Yeah. So the woman's working. Okay. There's but always... It's an outlier, right? There's exceptions, but exceptions prove the rule. That's what exceptions do. The exception isn't what we're all supposed to follow. Well, yes, and the Bible says, it literally says to be a keeper of the home. It does. It absolutely does. Titus 2.5, be keepers at home. Right. I say that constantly. That's where a woman is supposed to be. They're supposed to be a keeper of the mm -hmm. home. Now, I have found plenty of women that find a side hustle yes, or they find a job where that. they can uh, be a keeper of the home, but the idea is not that you have a career, you have a kid, you take a few months off and you put the kid in daycare and you go back to work. That's what I'm thinking. You yeah. hundred percent. Like, that is totally anti-biblical. I am. My favorite thing to do is work. Mm -hmm. You know that mm -hmm. <laughs> I do stuff. I make a little money for us selling honey and vegetables. And mm -hmm. I do, th I like to do things, but I can honestly tell you, I never was told it was okay for me to want to be a wife and mother. Sure. And that's all I wanted. Yeah. And I was told actually by everyone in my life, you really need to go to college because what if? Yeah. You know, and I didn't want to go mm -hmm. and I did. And for me personally, the whole thing was a waste of time. Sure. I went into debt, um, but I had no, I didn't have very, any guidance really. So, you know, I, God worked it out for me in the end. And I remember actually, this is anecdotal, but like three years ago, you had some people over that we didn't know well, and we we're getting to know them around mm -hmm. the campfire. Yeah. Nice people. Sure. Very career minded. Yeah. They're both professors. Uh huh. The guy was very kind, but he asked me, hey, I was wondering, you, Joanna, if you didn't have kids, mm -hmm. what would you be doing? Yeah. I had no answer. Sure. I, I never even thought like that. I said, you know, I don't know. Mm-hmm. And I thought to myself, well, he was asking is what would you have done with your life? Yeah. If you <laughs> didn't waste it being a mom. <laughs> <laughs> What's the real Joanna supposed to be doing? Because your kids are great, but you know. Yeah. I don't, and it hit me. I'm like, I don't want to do anything else. I yeah. love this. And I don't know how many people can say this. I can tell you I am 100% fulfilled mm -hmm. today. Yeah. And I love what I'm doing. And it's so freeing to know hey, man, great, I can, you know, care for the house, I can cook the meals, and I don't find it drudgery, I like it. Mm -hmm. And I think a lot of women actually like it. If they didn't have the pressure of, man, maybe I should be the breadwinner too. Sure. I think that's where they get fouled up. Well, and another thing is, and we've talked about this in the past, but it's worth mentioning now, far too many people, they see the brass ring and they see other families and the stuff yeah, that they have. That's part of the problem. So financially speaking, boy, our life would be way different. We would be bumped up several brackets as far as lifestyle if mom went to work, because let's face it, we're making a living with dad going to work 
and we're making an okay living, but there's not a whole lot of extra money to have fun with. Well, guess what? If dad's entire salary is paying the bills and there's a little bit of extra money for fun, mom's entire salary is discretionary. We can do whatever we want with that, and we can do a lot of fun stuff. We can buy a boat. We can buy a second home. We can waste our money on all kinds of stuff. And people see that, and they're like, yeah, would it be worth it? And wouldn't it be nice to have these things and to provide these things for our kids and to give our kids the lifestyle that we never had? And it's nonsense, and it's not what your kids want. That's right. They just want to spend time with you. They just want to spend time with you. Yeah. Well, and um, that's just, just our culture. It's how it is in our a biblical lifestyle is constantly being flooded out by tsunami waves of culture. Yep. Just, you know, this is, and it almost just kind of gets ingrained in your brain. Like, this is what life is. Yeah. I'm supposed to work. I have to help. I have to work. There was a, a pastor that I really liked listening to. He was down in Texas, and he was telling a story about his ministry and this young guy uh, who was working at his church who from, I I don't remember the age, but the young guy seemed to be like in his, you know, kind of later twenties. And he was telling the pastor, uh, this story about how, uh, he, he was from a larger family. There was like seven or eight kids. And he said, you know, there was a year or two in his childhood when he was like, you know, maybe like 12 years old where his dad lost his job and he wasn't able to, um, they lost their house um, because they had a couple of setbacks all together and their family just kind of like moved into an RV and like, you know, they traveled around the state a little bit and they did kind of odd jobs and they were just trying to save up money and scratch out a living so they could get back on their feet and kind of, you know, start their life over again. And the pastor was talking to this young guy and he's like, man, that must have been, you know, uh, so difficult, you know, for you and all your siblings. And that must have been such a hard time. And he stopped and looked at the pastor and he said, "Uh, those were the greatest years of my life. And he said it with such a straightforward, like, are you kidding me? He said, I got to spend every single day with my mom and my dad and my brothers and sisters. He said it was the greatest time of my life. And... We forget what it's like to be a kid. You got it. My mom often tells the story. Okay, so my grandfather on my mom's side was an immigrant who came to America on a whaling boat. And I'm talking about (laughs) you get in a small rowboat and row away from the big boat and throw spears at the whale. Yeah. That's oh my what my, my grandfather came to America on one of those. Hardcore whaling ship. <laughs> Him and his cousin got off the boat in New York City where they came to harbor to sell whatever and to resupply and go back out to sea. They got off the boat. They walked around the city and they're like, see you later. We're not getting back on the boat. And they <laughs> stayed in America and that was it. He ended up working at a very famous fish market called the Fulton Street Fish Market. It was not cool and hip and trendy at the time when he worked there, but that was his industry that he knew was seafood. So he worked at the fish market and then him and his friends saved up and they started their own fish market. My mom grew up uh, very poor. Her mom my grandmother died when my mom was a kid 
and she really spent a lot of time raising you know her brothers and helping her dad you know with everything in the house and this was back in a time when there really was no uh, welfare there was no food stamps there wasn't really much of anything in the way of assistance and my mom would tell me the stories about how she never knew how dirt poor she Mm. was growing up not one time in her life did she think she was poor until she married my father and they moved away yeah and then she looked around and saw the rest of the world and how everyone else lived and she was like oh my soul we were so poor never had any clue she said her childhood never missed anything and my grandparents and great-grandparents on my dad's side they lived in these tiny little you know brooklyn apartments and how many 13 13 people my grandmother i'm pretty sure was one of 13 in a brooklyn in a two-bedroom apartment yeah and they were the penthouse no (laughs) no everyone was fine everybody was happy that's how people lived and nobody everyone's forgotten that everyone has forgotten that everyone thinks disney world has to be a part of your childhood everyone thinks that you know four wheelers and big vacations need to be a part of your childhood they don't all your kids want is to spend time with you one of the problems is that we send them to government schools and we let them on social media and they get on the internet and they start seeing all this bright shiny stuff that they want and that their other friends have and they all become a bunch of spoiled brats because they think that they are owed these things and what they need is a bunch of parents to tell them no if you want one of those things you can go and get a job and work for it yourself but instead the parents just buy them a playstation 4 and then a playstation 5 and they're on the waiting list for a playstation 6 and they just get them whatever they they want the kids don't need any of that they are totally happy just being around their family yeah so you have instead of the mom being at home and spending a lot of time with the kids yes caring for the house being less stressed mm-hmm. instead you have both parents working and yep. then everyone has more devices and more stuff yeah and they spend less less and less time together have you ever been to a third world country I have not. I've been to a third world country in poor parts of the third world country, and I have never seen happier kids. Every single kid on the street that I saw was happier than Hmm. every American teenager, you know, like outside of our family and a handful of others. And they were barefoot playing soccer in the streets with a piece of garbage. Yeah. Not even a soccer ball. Nope. Right. Yeah. And what I'm saying is all that junk doesn't make somebody happy. What makes people happy is being around their family and Mm -hmm. having that safety and security and love and support. Now, would it be great if we could provide all of these poor people in America and in the world clean drinking water and sanitation and shoes? Yeah, and I would love to do that. That's That's another discussion for another day. What we're talking about is that being a wife and a mother is a noble profession. It is critical to the health and strength of Christian families, and it is critical to the foundation of our country, which is the family unit. And you do not get strong Christian families when both parents are off working and they're not spending time at home with their kids. What you get is pregnant teenagers. That's what you get. Well, you know, um, I lost my train of thought. However, I was thinking 
I'll say something else. When you're talking about turning around and teaching what you didn't have, I want to make sure to make this a point with our daughter mm-hmm. and her sons. Yeah. Being a mother is one of the most important jobs there is. Yep. God told us to do it. He, he specifically told women, this is your place. Yep. I, you know, I know what that sounds like in today's culture. Doesn't matter. Today's I, culture is full of morons. Well, and I can tell you, I could go out and probably do anything. Sure. I could, I'm not saying that to be egotistical, but mm-hmm. I stay really busy. Sure. You can get a job. You can excel can. in your job. You, yeah. Anyone who knows You're me. the only one in the house with a degree. Yeah. <laughs> you have a college degree. I, I don't. Right. But I like it. And uh-huh. this is what I knew I was supposed to do. There and I'm was, glad I've done it. There was a lady on TV. I can't remember her name. She was very famous. She had a show that was like, man, was it Julia Childs? It was a, it was a show, you know, this lady that was a little bit older and, you know, she would teach, you know, recipes and different homemaking stuff. It yeah. wasn't like Martha Stewart. It was, it was a woman who was, you know, very much, um, um, a, uh, a talented, a strong woman who was really focused on her family and homemaking. And I remember listening to her one time and she was explaining, she, this is after she was off TV and she was, you know, uh, this is back when there was TV, you know, and you'd have channels oh. with a remote. Like we're talking. You had about, to watch it when it came on? Yeah, whenever it showed up. Yeah, and there are these what awkward is, oh, things called commercials that got in the way. Ugh. So anyway, this lady, and I'll have to look it up, but there okay. was an interview right. she was doing and she was, ex- and the questions were coming up about, do you regret, you <laughs> know, spending so much time yeah. uh, as a mom, uh, raising a family, being a wife and not having more of a career. You were clearly very successful with this television show, you know, and you could uh, very clearly have done a lot more in these you know, other arena. Yeah. So, so, you know, aren't you, do you have any regrets was kind of the question. And, uh, and her answer was so profound. She said, all of these women that were my age and my generation were sold this lie that leaving the home and excelling in the world in business was going to be so satisfying and so fulfilling mm-hmm. and it was going to make you so happy. And she said, all of these women that bought into that lie, so many of them gave up having kids in order per- to pursue their yeah. career. And she says, you want to know where they are right now? She said, they're alone. <laughs> wow. And she said, right. I am surrounded by dozens of grandchildren. And she said, you go ahead and tell me who's better off, you know, and the person doing the interview was kind of speechless. Like they didn't know what the follow up question was to that (laughs) because they were expecting an answer from the other side of the coin. And she's like, no, I'm surrounded by literally a hundred people in my family Mm -hmm. who, you know, love and adore me and we want to spend time together. And she said, when I die, you know, my funeral is going to be massive and a lot of it's going to be my family, Yeah, you know, and all these other women, they gave up all of that in order to what? Make some money? It's for themselves. Mm -hmm. I, you know, for their own satisfaction and their own pride. Yeah. See, I could not imagine for anyone out there thinking, you know, I want to promote myself and I, what about me? Sure. I need to excel. It's my turn. I need to make something of my life. I need to make something of my life. And raising kids and having successful children doesn't count. 
Yeah, <laughs> I'd like to challenge them. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. That's nothing. Sure. That's you. I am the support system yeah. for my husband and my children. And mm-hmm. right now, you don't have any idea the satisfaction it is to give your children a leg up. Mm-hmm. Because of me, I'm driving my kids, my sons around to work. They've been able, I've been available to drive them to their jobs when they're 15. Yeah. And get in their permit. Because of that, both my sons are able to work at 15 and get references under their belt and start mm-hmm. filling their Roth IRAs. Yeah. Because and getting I'm driving experience, them. getting people skills. You know, yes. they have all of, all of these valuable things in their life because they have a parent that can be home, you know, to help teach and support them. And my whole satisfaction comes from helping them get this massive leg up in life. And yeah. I feel awesome about it. Sure. You get to help them that. achieve greatness. Yeah. They're going to be, they're going to have like, I just said it over and over again, because I'm willing to do this and I'm not focused on my career or mm-hmm. my glory or whatever it is, they're going to be ahead mm-hmm. in life. And I'm giving them a great boost out the door. Yeah. So anyway, that's my plug for. Yeah. yeah I, I'm I'm, I'm grateful. No, I, and um, we, we talked about this before we ever got married, you know, and we both had the same idea. Uh, we wanted a big family. We wanted to homeschool. We had some of these ideas, and we talked about them ahead of time. I do know that it's not easy being right. a single-income family. That's not easy. And when no. you and I started, like We're we... So that, well, and that's something that, you know, should really be brought up right now we were a family of eight living in a 900 square foot two-bedroom home i'm going to repeat that we were a family of eight mom and dad and six kids living in a 900 square foot two-bedroom house that was a hundred years old and that's where we lived and we did great there and we bought a house that we could afford very small very old house needed remodeling but we could afford it Um, We put a lot of sweat equity, you know, into that house. And while we were there, we were able to save up a bunch of money over years and years and years, over a decade. And that was what allowed us to get a real leg up when we bought the farm and then built a house on it. But in the beginning, we were so dirt poor. It was a joke. Yeah, I mean, I remember really sweating it out every time I had to make my grocery. Oh, uh, my constantly. Menu yeah, we had lots of times when the the money was coming in and it just went right yeah. out, you know, the, in the front door and right out the back. We didn't have a lot of extra money. We had to be real careful with every dollar. Our vacations were pathetic. We had a, <laughs> a trailer, a little camper that was given to us and we'd go camping in it places that though. were free. Right. Yeah, I mean, we, we really, you know, had to do that. And a lot of people, I don't think, are willing to make that sacrifice to make it work. It is possible. Okay, people all over the world do it. People live with less money than the poorest of Americans all the time. It can be done. A lot of people are not willing to. And I understand that it's very hard. I'm not saying that it's not. It's difficult at times. Um, And if you want to... Be a single income family, have the mom stay at home to be able to raise the kids and to homeschool the kids. 
you need to apply a lot of other biblical principles to your life. Going to say you can't just expect it to work without applying all of the financial biblical principles to your life. You have to be smart with your money. You have to get on a budget. You have to to pay your tithes. You have to pay your tithes so that God can bless your money and it can go further. There are all these things that you have to do. But He will do it. Absolutely, God provided for us, and He does it with everyone. He still does it. Literally, just this last week, God reminded us of how much he is in charge of our life by bringing us a vehicle that we were praying about. That was a huge miracle. For years. How many years? I I don't even know. Nine years? Years and years and years. You know, me, dad, is driving around a work truck that's 30 years old. 245,000 miles. No. No The odometer's broken. Yeah. Yeah. It, you need to add like an extra, I think it's an extra 75,000 miles on. Yeah. It's almost, it's oh, like 350 man. something thousand miles on, oh, on that truck. I didn't know. It's an even bigger miracle. Everything on it is breaking. I mean, it's, it's just a money pit. It's falling apart. Um, and we've been praying about it and I've constantly been so hesitant to go and buy a vehicle because I hate buying vehicles and, and everything was so years, expensive. Everything oh, everything's so. through the roof. And then, you know, we're looking and all of a sudden this deal comes up. And when I first saw it, I was like, something's wrong with this thing. He, the guy who sold it said yeah. he had it marked so low yeah. that he said, I had like five people ask me if this was a joke. Yeah. Like what's wrong <laughs> with this thing? Is this real? Yeah. So and, said, and when we saw it, we thought the same thing because we had been searching for the same type of work vehicle for a while. So we had a pretty good understanding of like what they were going for and how many miles and all these different things. Yeah, the price was a typo. He you left got something off. And that's what we thought. And when, you know, we went and looked at it, we're like, this thing is amazing. This thing should be selling for forty thousand mm-hmm. dollars. We thought would be pretty competitive, maybe the high thirties, thirty seven, thirty eight, thirty yes, nine. Def- absolutely. Yeah. We got it for twenty six. Yeah. You know, I mean, literally That's almost $15,000 off. And we were... And you were the first one to I see it. I was the first one to see it. Weren't 12 people lined up yes. to see it? Yep. And, and he had 800 views you on got it. A Facebook marketplace. In like a day. Right. In the first day it was up. Just bing, 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 bing. Everybody's looking thing. at this thing. And that was the same thing that happened with this property. When we were looking for this farm, the day that we made the offer, they dropped the price massively. And then they had dozens of offers that day and we were first in line. My point is simply, this is not good luck. This is the (laughs) blessing of God. God explains that he will bless those that try their best to obey him and follow his ways. And we are far from perfect. There is no way. Speak for yourself. (laughs) (laughs) You know, I have often looked at our family and I'm like, you know, man, we got a long way to go. And, you know, you know, these these different things where I'm like, boy, we're not doing this and we need to start doing that. And I was like, you know, I hope God's okay with this, you know, but we can always look back in our family and I could, I could, I could stand before God today and I could say, God, you know what? We really were trying. We tried. Okay. We (laughs) We really did. And when we, when we learned we were doing something wrong, okay, we would make a change. Sometimes we drag our feet because we didn't want to make that change, but we would make the changes, you know, and we're grateful for the graciousness and long suffering of God to deal with stupid sinners like us. But seriously, God tells us that he will bless 
And so many people, I think, are scared to do the will of God because it doesn't make sense. And it doesn't. No. Okay. It absolutely does not make sense that you give away 10% of every dollar that comes in and 90% that you keep will go further than 100% if you kept it all. That does not make yeah. sense. Or you'll bless a single income when today's day and age, you, you got it. <laughs> everything is so expensive. Everything's so expensive. How is it, that going to work? How is it going to work where God's going to bless a single income family oh, if the mother stays yeah. at home and remains a keeper of the home? That doesn't make sense. Okay, God says he's going to bless. Um, it's not easy to step out in faith and do these things, but there are Christians all around the country that do, yeah, and they and they have yeah. the, they all have the same testimony. There's a lot of there's still you run into families where there's a stay at home mom and yep. sometimes a stay at home dad and sure. the, you know because of whatever. and it's a weird thing. It's so it is weird. It's so rare. Yeah. That it's weird when you run into think of how many of our friends, married people, our age have a single income family hmm. yeah it would not take many. you a, yeah, yeah not many yeah. now obviously and i should say this because and this wasn't even like the whole this wasn't even the purpose of the podcast yeah, we, we got stuck on this one i know we well, got that's one i've thought about a lot lately yeah and i'm glad we're talking about it prior to having kids go ahead Go work, oh, go do whatever right. you want. There's not, you know, there's no, there's nothing wrong with that. The, the, the purpose of being a keeper of the home is so that you can take care of the children. And the whole household. Yeah. Everything that goes along the with the household, the father can focus on, yeah. you know, being able to do his work, which oftentimes takes a lot of hours, yeah. you know, and wipes them out. But the children it's, are the primary. You got it. The, You're training them and, and all this. And they're the ones that take up the time. Did you ever... <laughs> With I was, a million questions a day. I was just thinking about um, the story of uh, Mary Poppins. Oh, my. Okay, where's this going? <laughs> okay, so... <laughs> So Mary I'm not Poppins, taking the sugar. No, no, no. Spoonful no, no, of sugar. No. So Mary Poppins. Or the if, medicine. If you think about the story, and so there were there were two movies about. Okay, there were three movies about Mary Poppins. Oh, really? There was okay. the original one with Julie Andrews. Was mm -hmm. that it? Oh, yeah, Who was the Julie original? Andrews. Okay, the original the Mary Poppins. Then there was the remake. The newer British one. Who's the newer to Jim Halpert. Yeah, Jim Halpert from <laughs> I mean, The Office. <laughs> who? What's his real name? Oh, Mike. No, Krasinski. Yeah, John, John Krasinski. Mike. John, John Kr Krasinski. John Krasinski, who uh, I think he wrote and directed the movie The Quiet Place, mm -hmm. which I really liked. So if you watched The Quiet Place, which was a horror movie, but an amazing one, Mary Poppins is in it. His <laughs> wife is his wife in the movie. Yes. Who played Mary Poppins in the remake. Yes. Okay. Okay. So, so. No, there's a third. What? There's the movie about, I forget. A third the, Mary Poppins? It's the movie with Tom Hanks when he plays Walt Disney. Oh. And the, he, it, it, the movie the, is about yeah. him making the movie really? mary poppins oh, yes yes okay and my understanding was it was a true story yeah that was a good movie it was a great movie it was very funny one of the funny things that came up is the writers who were uh writing the movie mary poppins they had so the lady who wrote the book because Mary Poppins is based off of a book from yes. a British lady that no one knows the name of. I'm sure oh, somebody does, but I her. don't. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> so she was invited to America to okay. help 
with the making of the movie because she did not want to sell the rights to the movie she wanted it she wanted it to retain she wanted it to stay her story right? yes she wanted it to retain its dignity Mm -hmm. in the movie so one of the funniest scenes in the whole movie is there are these two guys that work for walt disney who are writing the movie the screenplay and making the songs and writing the uh, original score for the music so they're going over this and one of them asks hey uh and i don't remember the name of the family so mary poppins came to london to help a family right of of which there were two children right yeah peter pan was three children mary poppins i think there was i think there was only two children a a boy and a girl i think so so one of the guys that was the the writer asked this lady who wrote the book hey what's the mom doing during all this (laughs) because the dad was a businessman that was like off you know doing whatever rights for women yeah and he was and he was like where's the like why why is there a natty here like what is the mom doing during this whole scratch the movie yeah their mom back oh it was so funny and the lady got so upset explaining like you know who do you think you are and this woman has (laughs) whatever keeping her busy and and they were just you know and that was it was the movie was made in the early 50s i think you know and that was still a time it was right after world war ii and it was like yeah women you know still were mostly mostly keepers of the home and the husband went off to work and it was more of a traditional family and it was just such a funny scene so you you gotta i'm gonna watch that oh you gotta look that up it was so funny when you saw how upset this lady got so so anyway if the mom was a keeper of the home. Mary Poppins wouldn't exist. Ms. Mary Poppins wouldn't exist, and you could save your money on flying nannies from. It was a good wherever. movie, though. It was, yeah, they were very good movies. All right, um, that was a long one. I'm sorry. No, no, that's okay. So, um, being a wife and a mother, and we uh, can teach our kids this. Yeah, absolutely, we, we will. Yes, I'm glad that we learned the lesson from some kind Christian families that we've encountered throughout the years, and I'm glad that we can, you know, pass on this idea and this teaching to um, our children and to, you know, other families. With that, we're at an hour and 15 minutes. I think this is a good time to knock it off. We have several more points, but we'll save them for next month when we get together and, and discuss Christian families, and we make everyone mad talking about different subjects so thank you everyone for joining us at the bible thumper podcast where somebody's got to say it if you would we now have a website which is the bible thumper podcast.com and if you go there you can email me you can also email me at bible thumper podcast at gmail.com and at that website bible thumper podcast.com you can find us You can find links to our Facebook and YouTube channels. You can watch these videos live. You can comment while we are doing these in the studio. We can read your comments and answer your questions. You can also find us on every place that you download and listen to podcasts. Amazon Audible, Stitcher, Google, Apple, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. Go there and search for the Bible Thumper podcast. You'll find us there and we are live almost every Sunday night, starting at 7 p.m. or very close to it almost all the time. Thank you for joining us, and we will catch you next week.